The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show today Gregory Marchand, who has just published his first book, Open Heart Runner, an absolutely fantastic story which all of you I know will wish to to hear and, and learn more about as we go through the show. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Well, I guess we're going to start by uh, you telling us what happened to you a few years ago on January the 11th. Well, it was 14 years ago, Peter. On January 11th, I was running in an 8K road race, something I had done frequently. I, I've been a, a road runner for a, a long time and, and had run many, many races. But at the end of this race, I, uh, I collapsed and uh, went into cardiac arrest immediately. And uh, my heart stopped. Uh, I fell into the arms of a woman who was taking the tag off of my, my racing bib at the end of the race and hit my head on the gravel road and uh, lay still. Um, fortunately, though, running right behind me, immediately behind me, in fact, was an emergency room physician. And uh, he started CPR on me right away, as did another runner who was right there, too, who, who was a first aid attend- attendant. And so they started doing first aid on me, um, doing CPR on me, one mouth-to-mouth and one doing chest compressions. And uh, then I seemed to start to come back again. Um, they stopped, and um, then two other doctors happened by. And one of them, an anesthetist, took a look at me, tried to take my pulse, and was immediately aware of the fact that I had no pulse, and uh, she started doing CPR on me again as well, while the other two who had started stood by. And then another dentist started doing mouth-to-mouth on me. So for at least 20 minutes, the two of them, two, two women, one a young dentist and one a retired anesthetist, did CPR on me for 20 minutes. Um, uh, finally, an ambulance came. Someone had called an ambulance by that point, and the attendants came, put a line on me to see if there was any activity in my heart, and immediately found that there was none, that I was flatlined, in fact. So uh, they uh, attached the defibrillator to me to start to try to get my heart um, beating again. And they gave me two jolts from the defibrillator, and uh, my heart started going again. But I was unconscious. I was in a coma. Uh, I was rushed to the hospital, and uh, people who had been standing around me at the race um, were not very um, encouraged by the signs of the fact that I wasn't, didn't have very many life signs, and they didn't think I was going to live. So in terms of, of, of knowing the details that you now know, um, did you have any recollection memory at the time of what had happened? I didn't for the first while, Peter, no. Uh, in fact, I, I eventually did come out of a coma, and uh, it, I, it became immediately aware uh, to me and to those around me that I had uh, both short- and long-term memory losses. Um, I couldn't remember my youngest son, for instance, who was four at the time, and my my children looked like they were younger. My other two children who were older looked like they were younger, and... Uh, uh, someone would come into the hospital room, and I would greet them, knowing them, 
uh, someone that I had that I had known from years ago, and then would leave the room, come back again moments later, and I would I would uh, not have remembered having seen them moments before. So I had both short and long term memory loss, and in fact, I didn't remember anything about the event for the longest time. Um, uh, eventually, I went through some some uh, processes where those memories did start to come back um, through some acupuncture in particular. So I did act, I, I was able to bring myself and my memory back to the point where I could actually envision what I had gone through. But at the time, I didn't. There was nothing. So just to be clear on this, so you basically were without a pulse for 20 minutes. I was. And um, the, the, the oxygen that was going to my brain through the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation was, of course, very minimal. Um, it, 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 mouth-to-mouth is effective, but it doesn't, it doesn't take as much oxygen into your brain as breathing does. Um, I later read, of course, that, that anybody who's without oxygen for more than six or seven minutes will inevitably have brain damage. And really, I was without oxygen for at least 20 minutes, except for the mouth-to-mouth that I was receiving from, from the dentist who was doing mouth-to-mouth on me. Um, the, the anoxic brain injury that would result from something like that did occur, and um, it really took me two years to come to to believe that I was back to the same level of cognitive ability that I was at before the race. But the interesting thing is, is that that most people who go through something like this are severely and utterly brain damaged. Um, when I came out of my coma, I I was able to greet my family who were surrounding me in the hospital room, which for the doctors who had been um, part of my care up to that point was quite astounding, and many called it miraculous. So, so what is the explanation for the fact that you have been able to recover pretty well fully? Well, I don't know what the explanation is, Peter. That's the really interesting thing. In my book, I try to explore that. I mean, the, su- the subtitle of my book is Searching for Meaning After My Heart Stopped. So, so the, the book is a search for um, what really did happen to me and why I was able to come through it the way I did. But it's also searching for meaning about uh, more than that, too, about, uh, about uh, my own life and my place in the cosmos. And, uh, and I think the, the meaning behind all sorts of events. Uh, all of us are going to go through events where we will have or we will experience others who will have brushes with death and, and, and trying to come to terms with that. Um, we, all, we all ask questions, and, and I, I ask a number of questions throughout the book. And um, the process of writing it was my search for meaning, and the process of putting it out to the world the way I have is, is uh, a sharing of that, but also uh, allowing others to, to question themselves and to find um, some sort of meaning in their own lives, I hope. So that it's actually taken you the 14 years, obviously, to get from that point uh, until actually publishing the book. Why has it taken that amount of time? Well, interestingly, I, I started writing uh, r- right away in the hospital. Uh, I, I have some chicken scratches, essentially, that I, that I wrote down while I was recovering, um, questions that I wanted to have answered, and just the genesis of this book, really. So I, I, I literally started to write it days after I came out of the coma. And I continued that in my journaling um, for, for years following that. Uh, I always had the notion that I wanted to share this story with the world. Um, and so the idea of putting it out in book form was always with me. And I, I, I tried various means of doing that, uh, looking for publishers, looking for agents. Um, and uh, that process was a fascinating one. And um, the it does take a long time. The publishing industry is in an interesting state right now. And so, so the 14 years that it took um, was partly because of that, but partly because um, my own search for the meaning behind this event uh, took that amount of time. It, uh, the, the, um, that quest, that lifelong quest, is a lifelong quest. So I, I don't purport to have within this book the answers to everything at all. But I think it leaves the reader with a, with a, a sense that, um, yeah, we're all questing and we're all questioning.
So the actual book itself has got unbelievable, accurate, detailed descriptions of what actually happened and, and the feelings that you had and the family members had and so on, and the people who actually uh, saved your life. So where did you get all that information from, in fact? That was really interesting. Um, a, a good friend of mine, name is Jim Lamort, uh, the, the day after uh, the accident, he started telephoning uh, everybody he could could contact who had been at the race. Now, there were over 600 runners at this race, and um, many of them helped out literally with me. And uh, uh, at the end of the race, the the announcer who was starting to give out the, the race awards at the end uh, led everybody in silent prayer uh, and, and then in a huge cheer for me because they didn't know at that point whether I was going to live or not. Um, uh, so so uh, there were a lot of people who were aware of, aware of what had happened, and, and uh, my friend Jim contacted many of them, record, recorded their um, what they had to say about it, and and typed it all out and presented it to me so that so that I had when I was finally cognizant, was finally aware to realize what was going on, what had gone on. I was able to read the accounts from people who had actually been there, and that was amazing. That allowed me to. It was hard at first because because I was suddenly confronted with the fact that I had almost died and I had caused a lot of pain for my family and friends and 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 yet it it, it helped me to, to begin this process of trying to find some meaning behind the event. My uh, my wife and my sister as well, um, who were were very much a key part of the uh, of of the event and what. What, what was my recovery, um, made some recordings specifically for me where they talked about what they had gone through and what they were feeling and, and many, many of the details. So, so piecing together the story was a bit of a detective act for me in the sense that I used all of those things to try to come to grips with what had gone on. We're coming up to our first uh, first break, Greg, but uh, I, I want to, when we come back, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this situation where you were the central person, you didn't remember what was happening, and, and yet you were reading uh, what had taken place in your life without you knowing. It must have been very, very interesting. We'll take right. our first break now. It's uh, Peter Tung with Gregory Marchand on Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com where my uh, July newsletter is now out and some really interesting little tidbits in there for you. And also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com with our Ambassadors of Light program and a number of other goodies for you to investigate. So please do check out those two websites. I have with me today Greg Marchand, who essentially died at the end of an eight-kilometer uh, run 14 years ago and had no pulse for 20 minutes and 
Greg has just published his first book, Open Heart Runner, which tells in great detail the uh, incident itself and all the events that took place around it. And, and Greg, just before the break, uh, we, we come to the point of, of you reading the story about yourself, which at that time you didn't remember. How that made you feel emotionally and, and cognitively? Uh, it was different emotionally and cognitively, actually. Uh, emotionally, it was uh, I couldn't read everything all at once. I would um, break into tears as I started to read and understand what was going on. Um, cognitively, uh, it... it, it uh, it took me even longer to try to understand all of it because because the, the detail of the event was was so acute. Trying to figure out what exactly it was that caused someone who was really very healthy at the age of forty to suddenly have his heart stop, and and so cognitively it took a lot of research for me. I eventually was able to acquire all of the records from the hospital, and I remember clearly going and I had to, I had to read these these records in the hospital setting itself and and read the accounts of the doctors and and the nurses who were who were all around me at that time and to to read them saying things like at this point any kind of recovery is is very guarded and um those those kinds of things are, are very emotional to read um trying to understand them cognitively is a completely different matter entirely and so you you are and you were a very fit and healthy guy. Um, so what did happen? What, what, what's the explanation for why you did have a heart attack? Well, interestingly, um, one of the doctors that was that came to visit in the hospital was a former student of mine, and he was just doing his residency in cardiology, and uh, he he took a really really keen interest in in what was going on with me, and he asked a lot of questions of my my wife and my my family, my my mother who had come from Calgary, and. Uh, um, was really interested in something that had happened to me when I was a teenager, and and uh, it, uh, it was on, the only other time that I'd ever been in the hospital. I, as I said, I'm a very healthy guy normally, and I, I, it, at this point, when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I was hospitalized for something that that the the doctors couldn't figure out what the cause was, um, but I had a, a series of of really strange things that that looked, they thought, like like was some sort of blood cancer. Um, but his analysis of the symptoms that I had at that time, and I was hospitalized for almost a month, um, pointed to a disease called Kawasaki's disease. And, and that's something that normally uh, um, affects infants, young children. And it was a d- disease that wasn't um, found until the, the 1960s, and in the late 1960s, and right around the time, actually, when I was hospitalized. It was just a few years after that that I was hospitalized. And the interesting thing about Kawasaki's disease is that, that this former student of mine found out is that if, it, if someone acquires it at the teenage years, it manifests itself later in life in exactly what had happened to me, and that was a sudden death incident, usually in the, uh, that occurs at the end of some sort of activity, like running in a race. And um, um, so that discovery was, was really uh, enlightening, um, that here I had um, the, uh, the doctors, uh, while I was in the hospital, I had an angiogram done, and they discovered that I had blockages on three of my arteries. Three of my arteries were almost completely blocked. And um, the, the idea or the theory that it was Kawasaki's disease that, that um, actually caused that is a really fascinating and interesting one. We'll never actually really be able to find that out unless the blockages are biopsied, which they won't be done <laughs> while I'm alive, I suppose. Um, but after finding out that I had these blockages, I had tri- triple bypass surgery three weeks later to, to clear those blockages. But uh, another, another interesting thing is, is that what the doctors found when they actually bypassed the blockages, the aneurysms, there were aneurysms literally, um, was that I had developed a series of what they call collateral arteries that had naturally bypassed the blockages, and they theorized that that was because of the fitness that I had, that I was that I was a runner, and my arteries had had created natural bypasses. The collateral arteries had created natural bypasses, but it it was those 
blockages, perhaps caused by Kawasaki's disease, that caused my heart to stop at that time. So then having had, having had your st heart stopped once, you then had to go through open heart surgery, so your heart was stopped again. Um, how aware were you going into the surgery of what was taking place? I'm not very aware at all. Uh, I... <laughs> that was probably a good thing. Um, I, I do have a very clear memory of coming out of the uh, out of the uh, the operating room, but uh, when I was finally came to, but but again, I had no clue as to why I was actually there. My wife was there greeting me, and I said, "What's going on?" She, and she said, "Your your bypass surgery went well." And I said, "What? My bypass surgery? I had no idea that I had gone through what I had just gone through." <laughs> How is your, uh, obviously the running is an interesting aspect of this story because in one sense the running was, was saving you from death and at the same, and at the same time running uh, caused, well it didn't cause but certainly triggered the, uh, the heart attack. So how did your attitude to running change as a result of the experience? It changed quite a bit, Peter. Um, I had been, I, I'd been a, a, a strong runner, not, not one that won medals or anything like that, but, but Running had always been something that I had done. Ever since I was a little kid, I, I would run. I would run everywhere, and I always ran um, to keep fit. And I started running in races really to accompany my, my son, who's now 30 years old, when he, was, when he was running as a child. So the two of us would run together all the time, and we started to go in races together. And interestingly, as I started to run the races, I started to become the more competitive and I wanted to do better and I would train hard before each of the races and and I would push myself at the end of the runs and uh, and um I was cognizant of what I was what I was eating and 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 uh I became more and more competitive um that's changed a lot I I I'm not the same kind of competitive runner that I once was I I run now to to uh, enjoy what I see, I run now to smell the roses. Literally, I, I I run now to 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 chat with my friends who I run with, and and that that's the joy of running for me, not the competition. What was it like the very first run that you did after you recovered? The very first run I did after I recovered was with my son, whom I just described, and and that was a really uh, memorable experience. Uh, uh, interestingly, as we ran, we ran right by the hospital where I had my bypass surgery. Surgery. We ran by an ambulance that was going down the street. So I heard the ambulance siren um, roaring beside me, wailing beside me as I was running. Um, and then coming up the hill back to our house, my my son looked over at me. My face reddened, my shirt wet with sweat, and and he put my, his arm around me and. And 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 said, Dad, that was amazing, and it was amazing. <laughs> and did he say, "Let's walk the rest of the way"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We, we walked up the hill. The, <laughs> the, the, the race where I collapsed has a has a hill at the end of it, and and we didn't want to recreate that. <laughs> uh, but you did run that race again the following year, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, the book actually chronicles that whole year, and it's bookended by the race on January 11th, and then the race one year later, the same race exactly where I, I did run again. Um, this time, interestingly, with some of the people who had saved my life a year later. And in fact, I, I'm, there's a picture in the paper the next day of, of me crossing the finish line with a big grin on my face and running right next to me is uh, Cheryl Wood, who was the anesthetist who did CPR on me. And that that was an incredibly emotional but amazingly uplifting experience to share that with her in a completely different way one year later. So what are your feelings about all those people who uh, saved you? It's, that's fascinating too, Peter. The, I, I, I don't know if anybody can uh, have, a, have a more profound relationship than having one with with someone who has saved your life. And uh, every time I see these people... And I do quite frequently. Um, just yesterday, I went to my dentist, who now is the woman who saved my life, and <laughs> and and I I look up at her as she's peering into my mouth, <laughs> and and I see in her uh, an angel, literally an angel. And um, I don't know, I don't know if she feels the same way when she looks at me, but but <laughs> but there's this this connection that we have that that is is. 
tremendously, tremendously profound. And you recently had uh, had the book launch uh, in your hometown, Victoria. And what was that like for you? Well, that was that was really uplifting too. It was actually reminiscent of running the race a year later. Uh, it was. I was surrounded by many, many friends, uh, even many of the people who had been at the race the year before, and and to see them all there and to feel their support was just just astounding and and heartwarming, literally. Um, but also, there were many people there whom I'd not met who who were able to who had heard about the the event um, via the media that that had surrounded the launch of the book and. Um, that was tremendous too. I met people that that were just really interested in the story and had their own stories to tell me. So, as I was signing books, I was talking to these people who who all have ma- major events in their lives and profound experiences that, that they've gone through that they wanted to share with me. And I realized that that having put this book out there was allowing me to go through that process with people I, I didn't know. It opens up a whole new set of doorways, doesn't it, that people can speak and, and explore with you at a different level of, of beingness, consciousness. That's exactly right. It's a, it's a tremendous experience for me. So, Greg, we're coming up to our second break, and we'll return with Greg Marchand. Okay. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Be Visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Have with me today, Greg Marchand, who's just put out his first book, Open Heart Runner, and having heard your story, Greg, uh, just tell our listeners how they can connect with your book and buy the book, in fact, and also with uh, with you. Um, well, the book is available on Amazon.com and .ca and .uk as well, so it can be you can purchase it online. Um, it, there's information about it on my website as well, which is www.gregorymarchand.com, and also www.openheartrunner, all one word, dot com. And it's available in, in bookstores in the Victoria area. And I'm traveling to Calgary, and there will be, I'm doing some readings there. They'll be available in bookstores there, too, for people who might be hearing it in that area. Fantastic. Uh, but the easiest way is through Amazon. Thank you very much. So a lot of people, when they uh, go through the near-death experience, uh, report having uh, the, the tunnel, the white light, and going through the tunnel, having some form of communication and being sent back because they haven't uh, yet reached that time and they've got more work to do here on, on planet Earth. So what was your experience like in that regard? Well, I didn't immediately go through a, a tunnel and see the white light um, the way some people describe. Uh, and at least I didn't... I don't know that I did that because so, so much of the the memory of that of the event, the actual aftermath of the event, is unclear to me. But interestingly, um, when I had some deep acupuncture treatments with a, an acupuncturist in Victoria here by the name of Dr. Michael Greenwood, I was able to actually 
remember what I have, have experienced and and um, the 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 depths of what he describes in, in some books that he's written about about uh, healing uh, he calls the the void was was something that I experienced as well that I went into this void and um, was able to to um, feel in a way that I'd never felt before and um, I, I, I find that it's really very very difficult to try to explain the, the, the what one goes through in in experiences that I think are experiences that that unite one with the divine, and I've had a number of those kinds of experiences since this event occurred, and they really began they really began in the hospital. Um, there was one one night when when I uh, was cycling through this series of questions that I would ask because I, I would keep asking my caregivers, my family why we were in the hospital. I wanted to know why we were all there. I had no idea that I was in the hospital and that something had happened to me. And one, one night, late one night, um, my sister, who was caring for me, who was staying in the hospital with me, described how these questions changed. And, I, and I, I, she said to me that I began to, to finally realize that I was in the hospital. And... Um, um, as, as, I, as I was starting to cognitively understand things, um, light bulbs literally went off in my head for her. Uh, that she, could, she could see that. And, and, and then I, I went into the bathroom, and um, she said I was in the, in the bathroom um, getting ready to, because it had become morning by that point, and she heard me talking to somebody. And my memory of that event... Um, it's really the very one of the very first clear memories that I have, and I actually made a connection with with uh, a friend of mine who who was a priest who actually died in that same hospital about ten years before I was in the hospital, and um, the, the feeling of of visiting with him and my sister says in speaking with him was was so profound and so moving that that over the course of the the, the two years. After this event, uh, I had images of him and connections with him that, that were so acute and so profound, and so real that I would I would want to, when I met people who had known him as well, I would want to go up to them and say, "I saw Father Leo today," but I would stop myself because I would I I knew that they would think I was crazy that that how could I have possibly seen this man who was long dead. But for me, I did. I, I, I had these connections with him that were, that were on a, a, a completely different level than the level where, where we meet with one another on this temporal sphere. And so each you, time that I had those connections with him, there was, a, there was a definite development in the cognitive ability that I, that I was having as, as my brain began to improve itself, and repair itself. So a sense then that he was in some way assisting your recovery. Well, it's I, that's what it seemed like to me that 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 there was this connection with with a spiritual entity that was allowing me to to come to a, a more a strengthened cognitive awareness um, through this spiritual connection. Interestingly enough. And, and part of that presumably was some sort of sense of feeling as well. Yeah, very definitely a sense of feeling, um, um, because you mean an affective sense? Is that what you're saying? That it, that that, I, that I, I could feel what was going on within me. Um, the, the light bulb analogy is a good one because I literally could feel that my brain was repairing itself and. When those events happened, it was always in association with an awareness of a connection with with Father Leo. And is he still with you now? Well, I I still meditate on a daily basis, Peter, and and often those meditations um, coincide with with a visit from him. And again, it's a difficult thing to to express, but for me, it's very real. His presence. Can be as real as wow, there's somebody over my shoulder, and I'm, I, 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 I will, I will try to refrain from actually turning around and looking because the, the because the awareness is is 
I don't want to. I don't want to break the awareness, but it's so real that I feel like I can reach my hand back and touch him. So, having recovered um, mentally and physically uh, remarkably within within two years or two years or so, um, how were you different uh, in in how you behaved and how you approached life after this event? Well, I described in my book um, an event where where my young younger son said to me one day, Dad, why are you so nice? And I said, <laughs> what do you mean, nice? And he said, nice, now, since you were in the hospital. And <laughs> I, I, um, I sm- smiled and cried at the same time as he said that because, one, it was so, such a <laughs> something coming literally from the mouths of babes and uh, such an, uh, 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 an emotional thing for me to hear that, but also a revelatory thing because... Yeah, I was getting nicer, and I was seeing things differently, and I wasn't quick to anger, and and I was calmer, I was quieter, and and um, I, I I try to maintain that. It's I don't know if that's that's the way I would be described all the time now, but 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 the way I live life is very different different now than it was before. So so what did almost dying teach you? Well, well, it taught me many things. I have a whole chapter in my book where I, where I list the things that, it, that almost dying taught me. But I think the essence of what it, what it taught me is that, that uh, life is precious, that, that, that we see around ourselves every day instances of miracles. Um, this event was miraculous to me, and, and, but it's not the only miracle that I see around me. I, I see miracles constantly. Yes, the, the day before Day before yesterday, I was driving down the street and I saw this lovely full moon in the distance over the over Victoria, and and it was so moving and so touching that 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 uh, I, I, I again was almost brought to tears by that. I, I saw two birds uh, cavorting and playing with, with one another around some trees in my backyard today, and and. Those kinds of things maybe I wasn't as aware of in the past, but 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 now uh, I look at them and I say this is this is life in its fullest, and and if we don't take the time to stop and appreciate and enjoy them, then we're not living life to its fullest. From what you've said uh, today, it feels somewhat as if there was a there was an opening up of your emotional self or your feeling self, and your your. Uh, appreciation of the world around you following following this incident yes very definitely it's uh, it, there's an appreciation of the world around me and but even more so there's an appreciation of the of the world beyond this one and um there was there was a time when i was especially in the hospital where i felt much closer to the other side than to this side and uh, much closer to death um i i don't look at it as death but just literally the other side. And um, that's, that does happen to me now as well. There are times when, especially when I've, I've been fortunate enough in the last few years to, to, to encounter people as they are nearing their own deaths. And, and, and I understand that now from a completely different way. So, so I, I, yeah, Peter, I see this world in a very different way. And I see the link from this world to the next in a very different way as well. And, and th- that, that link isn't as profound as, as, as we think. And, and in, in many ways it isn't, it isn't that different. And, and, uh, uh, and sometimes I feel, I feel as close to one side as the other even today. So, Greg, we're coming up to our final break, but I actually want to bring you back to that point um, after we return because I, I, I am feeling... Uh, let alone those people who are in that position of passing over or being on the edge as you were of one foot in, in either side of the veil, as it were. But I got a feeling that we're all getting to that point without needing to get to that dying place right now. I feel that that, that edge is right, right there for us to step into. So let's, uh, let's chat about that on our return in a moment. It's Peter Tang for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? 
Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder that we are taking a sacred site tour to the south of France in September. We have just one or two spots left. If you're interested, it's going to be a great trip. We've got some wonderful people going. Uh, www.celticmysticaljourneys.com is the website for that. I have with me today Greg Marchand, who's written a wonderful book called Open Heart Runner. Uh, touches your heart, you cry, you laugh, you are amazed. It's a wonderful, really accurate, detailed story of Greg's incredible uh, journey, having uh, died for 20 minutes at the end of a race and, and returning. And Greg, just before the break, you were talking about that edge between the two worlds and, and the link which you have experienced. You've crossed over and, and come back and been in both worlds. And uh, you say that the link, in fact, isn't that di- as different as perhaps we think it is. So just talk a little bit about that edge, the void, the, the, the veil that separates the worlds. Yeah, the, the the edge, the veil that separates the world is is um, it, it's permeable, I believe, and um, the the fact that that we often have feelings where that we can't explain that we that we have intuitions that we can't explain um, that we feel closeness to something or someone that 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 just seems outside the realm of possibility i think is often um part of that it's part of the that that the the permeability of the veil between uh, our existence here and our existence in another realm and uh the as i was saying i, I definitely felt that while i was in the hospital and there were times there were times when i felt like it would have been easier to have slipped over, um, but I, I I realized as well that there was a lot for me to do here, and um, I wasn't dragged back kicking and screaming. I I I came back um, joyfully, and and there are times when I feel like I'm um, I'm linking to to the other side joyfully as well, and and um, I, I I do that. And in moments of meditation, I do that in moments of of feeling the closeness of the divine. That happened to me um, all the time now. So being able to blend that feeling of that experience of the bliss state on the other side and appreciation for still having your life here, walking between those two worlds actually becomes a a highly complementary place to be. That's a good way of putting it. It is a highly complimentary place to be. The, um, sometimes we get too immersed in this world, and uh, sometimes I get too immersed in this world. But but I, I have I have the the hands-on experience of of understanding that this isn't all it is, and that there is there is more to what we see around us every day, and and that's a great joy and a great comfort for me, um, and. I, I think those of us who who are able to walk that that line and and straddle it comfortably um, exist in a more fulfilling way. So, how is your search for meaning going? 
Oh, my search for meaning now is um, it, it's, it is ongoing. Uh, I, I end the book in you know in a way that leaves that leaves things open that su- suggests that 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 the world that we have now is 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 wonderful and is beautiful and and that and that we need to take full advantage of living it to its fullest. Um, but we we do have to to do it in such a way that we are searching for meaning. I, I, I'm always surprised that, that when I speak to people who, who don't see the world in that way, that, that don't find fulfillment in trying to understand, um, because for me that's the, that's the key to existence, is to, is to, to find meaning in, in everyday existence. And um, I try to do that all the time. I try to do that every day that I live. So what's next for you, for you, Greg? Is there another potential book? Um, possibly. I, the, 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 one of the reasons why this book took so long to write is that it, it was at, at one point two different books. Uh, interestingly, Peter, I, about five years ago, I um, had another uh, medical issue in that I was diagnosed with malignant melanoma. And uh, um, the, the process of healing through that, and it's been five years now, so um, I'm I'm cancer-free, but the process in, in, in healing from the malignant melanoma meant that I had some time to to write some more, and 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 I actually reveled in it. It was really almost ironic because here I was supposedly sick, but I was euphorically happy because I had time to write, and I was exploring what was going on in my life because of this. What did this all mean? That here I am saddled with this other this other major disease. Um, um, and I, I linked the two stories, the, the, the heart attack story, the cardiac arrest story, with the melanoma story for a while. And at one point I realized that, no, the stories had to be separated. And so that, that was a really freeing point for me in being able to put this book out there because um, it, it became an entity unto itself, an important one. Um, but what it means is that there's another book there, the part that I really took out of, out of this one. And um, part of what I have begun to do already is to explore that story and, and explore it in a little bit more of a, a spiritual way and to, 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 to not have it as, not have the event as the, the focal point, but to have the, the, um, the way one sees the world um, and the way I see the world and the way I've learned to see the world through these two events as, 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 as really the major emphasis of, of the book. So it'll be, again, uh, 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 it is, the way it's coming out right now, a memoir, but focusing a little bit more on the spiritual aspects of life that I've come to understand through, through these two events in my life. So what was your level of fear like, having gone through the near-death experience and the heart attack, when you learned you'd got malignant myeloma and had to go through all of the treatments of that? What, what was the level of fear of dying? Boy, it must have been, a bit, again, a bit confusing. Yeah, yeah it, it can get confusing. Interestingly, Peter, I, 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 don't, have, I don't have a fear of dying. I, 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 dying for me is not, is, not, is not something to fear. It's, it's a... It's a passage. It's a, it's a, it's a, a new, new way of living, really. Um, the, the only the fears I have center on more of my family, leaving my family behind and, and um, not being able to see what they're going through in their own lives. I have three children. They're all grown now, um, but their lives are paramount for me, and, and any fear I have in life centers more on, on them than it does on me and on, on dying. I, I, I literally, I know it sounds cliche, but I literally don't fear dying. I guess when you've already been there and you've experienced it and you, you know rather than guess what it's like and what, it, what beautiful potential there is for us across the other side, there isn't anything to fear at all, is there? That's right. That's exactly it, Peter. And, and uh, um it's, it's as simple as that, and, and one of the messages that I, I hope I leave readers with in this book is that, that it's, it's really important to see the simplicity in life, that all of the answers are really right in front of us, and they're all very, very simple. So, Greg, we've actually come to the end of our time very rapidly. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today, and let me just remind our listeners, Open Heart Runner by Gregory Marchand. You can get it at Amazon.com. 
or you can go to Greg's uh, website, www.gregorymarchand.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Greg. It's really enjoyed the show. It's it's a book that's full of wonderful emotion, and uh, congratulations on it. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate being on your show. Well, I think I, I think I've <laughs> I come to the end of this show, which which for me is a is a personally emotional one too. I've been part of Greg's life through this, and uh, I, I must say I really appreciate his story, and I really appreciate him as a wonderful human being. Next week on my show, a very, very interesting guest, Frank Albo, who has decoded the Manitoba Legislature building as a King Solomon's temple with its own Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies room. It will be a very interesting show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information.